0: Let's go. What do we call this podcast again?
1: Sustainable open source design, right?
0: I don't know. Sustainable open source design, SOS design.
2: Yes.
1: Welcome to the Sustaining Open Source Design.
3: Welcome to the sustain Open Source Design podcast.
1: Welcome to the Sustained Open Source Design
2: podcast.
4: Hello and welcome to the Sustained Open Source Design podcast.
0: Yes, this is the sustain Open Source Design podcast, if you haven't gotten the message yet. This is the podcast where we will be talking about sustaining open source design. What does design mean? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Because instead of having a guest, We have all six panelists. Most panelists won't be on every episode, but some of us will be on at least every episode. And so the goal here is to talk about who we are, why we think design is important, why we think open source is important, and what sustainability means for us as kind of a little teaser. So to get started, I'm gonna call on Errol Fox. Errol Fox, tell us a bit about who you are and what design means to you.
5: Okay, hello, I am Errol Fox. The first thing to know is that my pronouns are they, them. And I came to design about 15ish years ago from an art background, which is maybe interesting, but it was definitely a bumpy road into design. And the road into open source and then into sustainability was less bumpy and more exciting. So I did a number of different design roles throughout my career. I was mostly doing design work for corporations, for people that wanted to make money and people that are, were interested in kind of doing the typical things with design, exploiting users and trying to get the most money out of users and all those kinds of things. And it was a good way to learn how to do some kinds of aspects of design. But really where I found my calling was when I started going into technology roles and then thinking about how technology and design can be more ethical and care for users more. I found open source also as a avenue to explore these kinds of things within communities that cared about those kinds of things as well. So my interest in design and sustainability within this context is really about how we are treating the people that use our tools and use our software and use the things that we are making a lot better and how design can be better leveraged within those kinds of systems and how they can indeed make these kinds of tools more sustainable, have more longevity, have more relevance, have more wider appeal to different people across different cultures, across different backgrounds, across different kinds of usages. So that's really my deeper interest in sustainable design within open source. And yeah, bringing two very disparate worlds together, traditional design industry and the open source technology community and how those two areas meet, and how those two kinds of personalities meet, and how they can do good work together.
0: That's great. Errol, I know you used to work at Ushahidi, which is a company that does a lot of work in Africa. Is that where you met Perry first? I'm curious.
5: Actually, no. I met Perry for the first time at the Sustain Summit uh, this year, 2020. And before that, we'd been having different conversations about open source community Africa, which I will happily listen to the folks that organize that talk about the work that they've done for hours on end. And I had always had an interest actually before I joined Ushahidi, which is based out of Kenya. Before I joined Ushahidi as the designer there working on their open source tools, I had actually been doing a number of different kinds of projects domestically in the UK, that looked at different cultures around Africa. I'd done some work with some folks from Eritrea, from Sudan, from Egypt, from Morocco, and yeah, lots of different African countries, and I'd always been involved. And through Ushihidi, I was interested in the wider ecosystem of open source in Africa, and uh, which led to several conversations with the open source community Africa folks and then meeting for the first time at sustain and so overjoyed as i always am to meet other designers working and doing volunteer contributions in the open source space like perry is
0: speaking of perry the reason i brought that name up is she is one of the panelists perry do you want to talk a bit about oscar and how you are a designer and how you got here
4: yes i so unlike errol I don't have up to 15 years of experience in designing. I actually um, started out technology and um, tech in general in 2017, but then I immediately got into design. And fortunately for me, I started out contributing to open source projects. And that was how I got into the whole open source space. And at first it was quite difficult for me and that was where I started building up the interest to actually talk about design sustainability and trying to bring more designers into the space of open-source and also like Fox said, these are two different areas, design and then open-source. They are kind of like before now, there was no like common ground between both of them. So it's now we're trying to like merge or bring a common ground between these two different fields of technology. So I got the interest because it was quite difficult for me to get around open source organizations and actually make contributions because these organizations find it really difficult to accept open source design contributions from other designers that are not part of the organization. So it was kind of like a pain point for me. And then I just developed the interest to want to advocate for open source design, open source design sustainability. I want to bring in. Other designers who are not into the space of open source into open source. So my friend Samson Gody had the whole idea of open source community Africa when he attended, um, I think, a conference in the US, and then he came back. He said out the whole idea with uh, another of our friend Ada, and then when they told me about it, it was something really exciting. And my tech journey was still pretty new, but. I, it was something I really wanted to jump on. And I felt like this is something we could do something can like pull through because here in Africa, there's that huge knowledge gap, not just in the design industry, but in open source in general. So we're really aimed at advocating for open source and onboarding more African technologies into the space of open source. So that's how Oscar came about. And fortunately we had one of the biggest conferences in Africa this year in February where we had a lot of techies in Nigeria and around Africa come together to listen to talks around open source and how they can actually start contributing to open source. And for those who have said contributing to open source, how they can continue and find more organizations to actually bring in their skills and contribute to these organizations.
0: Awesome. That's really great work. Oscar is super cool. And we're really glad to have you here. I know both of you are in open source design, which is a, Community on GitHub that's really focused on getting design into open source in general. Maybe not the sustenance part, although I'm sure that's part of it. They have a jobs board and the like. I've also been a longtime open source design member. And so it's good to have you both here. Speaking of worldwide efforts, we have someone here who's currently drinking tea, but hopefully he'll stop soon enough, who is working with the UN at the moment. So Justin Flory, why are you a designer? And what does this mean to you?
2: Hey, Richard. Glad to be here. So My name is Justin Flory and I guess design to me, it feels like something that I kind of discovered because I I started in the open source world and started to explore it from when when I was 14 was when I first started participating in open source communities. And all through that time, I had seen different approaches and perspectives on how these communities approach design. Some of them being communities that have been, you know, Linux packaging communities, That have been around since the 90s others that started you know even in the last couple years and just seeing how different communities approach and how they define design is something that's always been interesting to me so a little bit about design and sustainability so to me i'm really interested in design from both i guess more of the creative art background which is something that i've been lucky to work with people who are really great and smart and brilliant people in open source but I also think of design for me, with design coming from more of an engineering background, also thinking about system design and how you build sustainable systems from an engineering perspective, which always includes like design is a critical piece of that work. So for me, I got here just like many of the folks here. I actually got inspired meeting most of these folks at the Sustain 2020 event. And even in the years prior, there had always been a pretty strong showing of folks around open design at the sustain event. And you know, in addition to them being so passionate about design and also just me really wanting to learn more about the work. I've gotten to know the folks in this community and I realized how important this topic is and why we need to hold this space. So that's what really brought me here was I, I met all these, you know, great group of folks and the rest is history. But one thing that sticks out to me that I'm really keen on exploring in the greater scheme of design is the aspect of mentorship on sustainability. I always see in general so in my in my background with UNICEF I work as an open source technical advisor. So I work with teams to help coach them on open source best practices, how to set up the repositories, how to build a community and then how to engage with people in your project. And I always see this important element of like this mentorship or teaching aspect that is really important for sustaining work into the future, you know, because in open source we hear the phrase the bus factor a lot or The lottery factor, I've heard, you know, you get the lottery ticket and whatever you're doing, if you win, you're not going back to (laughs) your life is not going to be the same as it was before. Right. So bringing that back to design, I'm just really interested in how in open source communities I've been watching for some time, how they approach mentorship in this design context, but also to learn from other communities and how they're trying to bring in new people and nurture communities around design work is something that I'm really interested to hopefully contribute a little bit of my knowledge to, but also to learn from the folks on these panels and any future guests we bring in. So that's a little bit about
0: me. You didn't go through Stephen Jacobs program at RIT in the gaming degree, did you?
2: Well, not the gaming degree, but Stephen Jacobs was my mentor. So actually before, you know, I actually started working at UNICEF in June, 2020, but for the last two years, I've actually been working as an external consultant to UNICEF through the Rochester Institute of Technology, which recently just launched an open source program office. And there's also the LibreCorps program, which is a subset of that, which is what enabled me to, as a student, work with these geographically dispersed teams that the UNICEF Innovation Fund works with. I wasn't doing it as maybe at the rate I am now, but I've had this chance to kind of work with these teams. And LibreCorps at RAT is what enabled me to do that and even attend sustain. They funded my ticket to come out and uh, hang out with you folks too. So that's kind of my origin story, I guess, if you want to paint it that way.
0: Yeah, I was just curious. It seems like you worked with a lot of groups, a lot of different collectives, which reminds me of the next person who also works with a lot of different collectives, sometimes literally. Memo Esparza. Can you tell us a bit about who you are?
3: Hello, Richard. Thank you very much for having me today. It's a... Uh, Great thing to see this thing happening uh, in the end. So, big thanks to you and to all the folks that's also in this call. Really honored to share the make with you guys. Yeah, I have a, a design background. I've been flashing around throughout some entrepreneurship projects and that kind of stuff. Right now, I'm a lead designer of opencollective.com. And I also have an independent project, some sort of an agency thing running here in in Mexico. Both projects are focused on the same thing, which is uh, uh, open models for taking design projects. And I love both. Both have led me the opportunity to work with this different approach. And I think that I will start to begin making a difference between design for open source and open design because I think those are two different things because design for open source is really how design can help open source projects. Right. And it's really focused on that industry and, and on those kinds of projects and open design, I understand it as a more uh, broad, uh, sense of being open while working with design projects. And, uh, I think it's really important because for, a, an open design view now, I think that we need to, you know, look for other places other than tech to, you know, look for uh, interesting collaborations. I think there are a ton of projects out there that they really want to interact with designers and they really want to incorporate design processes and design mindset in their projects. But sometimes it's like kind of, you know, they're put off because they're, some boundaries between them and where the designers usually are. And I think that goes back to how design is, uh, taught. Again, I learned design at a, at a design school and yeah, I always thought that it was to, you know, to fulfill some needs in the market and not to, you know, meet the right people or foster the right conversations with this, actually what design do. So, yeah, my work now is really focused on demystification of the basis foundations of, of how design works within people and uh, that people in the end end up, you know, shaping companies and projects and initiatives that we all love and we all, you know, be uh, or are inspired by. Yeah, that's like kind of my thing right now. And I usually do it by connecting a bunch of people that I think, They have the right skill for, you know, that match some particular project and then, you know, see what happens on the road. And that brings me a lot of joy because I think that one of the best things about design is that it brings people together and it's great to, you know, fostering that kind of human connection. And I have a hell of a time working with
0: that. Thank you so much. I agree. It does bring people together. And it's really cool that you focus more on the people side of design. I didn't know that that was one of your perspectives, which is also, I think, aligned a lot with Georgia's work. Georgia Bullen, do you want to talk about what you do at Simply Secure?
1: Yeah, definitely. Hi, everybody. I'm Georgia Bullen, and I lead the team at Simply Secure. We're a nonprofit that focuses on leveraging design and design practices to make security and privacy more accessible to everyone. <laughs> got started with the idea of trying to solve the problem of how security tools are pretty hard to use. Uh, They're typically, a lot of the way that comes into how they're designed from an engineering perspective where the focus is on the security as opposed to the user experience of aiming, of trying to be safer using technology that has higher security. And so our original founding mission was to try and build up more usability practice, design practice within the security and privacy space. What we ended up finding ourselves doing was building up a community of practitioners. This also led to us working with a lot of open source projects because a lot of security infrastructure tools, as well as a lot of now sort of adopted user-facing tools are in security, are open source. And if we can have strong open source alternatives, that actually can help strengthen internet freedom. So that's a lot of the space where we got our feet, (laughs) if you will, and has led us to actually get pretty well connected to lots of folks in the open source design community as well as more recently uh, get connected into the sustained community and i think we kind of come at it from this perspective of for these projects to be sustainable and i think this has kind of been a thread through what everyone is talking about we really need diverse perspectives which needs to include folks with design skills communication skills testing skills documentation skills to make these projects really be able to be sustainable in the ways that sustainable can mean lots of things, right? It can mean able to make money. It can mean and and therefore pay people to work on it and continue to have a business model there. It can mean making it reasonable and achievable for people to be contributing on a regular basis. And I think a place that I have really enjoyed our conversations this year, and I hope we'll talk about a lot here is how we can leverage the community and users, and view them as contributors, and how that can be a part of the design process itself in the tools that we're making, the processes that we're building, the systems that we're designing. Because all of that is really about the health and strength of what makes these projects sustainable and successful, like creating those healthy feedback loops.
0: What did you do before Simply Secure? How did you get into design?
1: Yeah, I started actually, like I was thinking about this, Errol, you were saying that you started in art. I started in psychology. So for me, it's actually very much about the people, a lot of exactly what Memo was saying. (laughs) So I started out in university in psychology and a field called human computer interaction, which is a lot of people go into like user research and UX design from there or take an academic track. So I actually started my first job. I was a designer at a software company, but then I realized I was more interested in doing not corporate work as much, which I've also heard a bit as a theme here, but more public interest work. So then I studied urban planning and learned a bit about policy and cities and people a bit more (laughs) and then landed in policy for a while. So I think the thread for me has very much been understanding people as part of systems and um, whether those systems are policy and regulatory or technical or software that we're building. (laughs) So understanding that thread of people as part of that system and understanding how we can leverage ourselves collectively to solve problems, which is really why we're building a lot of these things anyway, right? Whether that problem is like, I need a better way to track to do's or like I need to communicate securely when the internet is shut down in my country. <laughs> Ultimately, there's a problem that we're trying to build some tool to solve.
0: I guess I should introduce myself at some point. So I'm gonna go ahead and do that now. I'm Richard Littower. I'm the last panelist, there's only six of us. And I don't really think of myself as a designer that often. I am one in the sense that I build many, many, many websites and that I used to have a webcomic that I hope no one ever finds. And I occasionally, you know, have to go into Photoshop and Illustrator and make interesting things. But that's also a very small part of design. A lot of what I do these days is run a consultancy called Maintainer Mountaineer, which does open source strategy. So how do you design systems to make it easier for other people to contribute to your project? How do you design open source in general? So less open source design tools and more designing open source tools is kind of my MO. On top of that, and I really hesitate to say this, but it is one of the reasons why I felt like I could be on this podcast. I may be one of the most infamous designers in the world because I had a project that went viral around five years ago called the userisdrunk.com, where people have paid me a lot of money to get very drunk and look at their websites from a design perspective. Yeah. So I've done a lot of that and that's really taught me a lot on that website. I said, I'm an open source designer or I'm a designer. I've been doing this for a long time. I was not, I had no cred behind that. I made that up. I was a front end developer who just occasionally built crappy websites out of HTML, but now I'm a designer because I tell people that this button doesn't work and this should be read and you should maybe fix your website in these ways. And that's kind of fun. Just
1: to jump in and back you up like (laughs) with some of this. I think one of the interesting themes here is like there's an assumption that design means the visual thing that people see, right? We think icons, we think graphics, we think logos, we think like beautiful infographics. Yeah. And yes, that's not not design. <laughs> but I think the point that actually is it's like a through line and what all of us have been saying is design is a structural thing that everyone participates in, <laughs> whether it's like literally designing the process that leads to how things get made by developers and people who might be doing logos and graphics to everything else. So I think hopefully the point we will continue to talk about is design is actually really broad.
5: Yeah, I think I really love this thread that's coming through in this conversation because I remember one of my really early conversations with Memo, where we were talking about the role of a designer and what a designer does. And I remember us talking around this concept of a designer as a facilitator of processes of conversations of exploration and the only really one aspect of how you can design and you don't have to do the visual aspect of it is doing graphics and icons and uis and things like that and yet one of the really painful sad aspects of doing design in open source is until quite recently i would say where things are changing is that design was most best understood as UIs and graphics and visual elements. And I love that one of the things that's coming out of all these conversations is that broadening of design as a definition, especially within the open source world. But there's still a lot to be done within this. And that's one of the lovely things about having these wider conversations is when you invite developers and open source contributors of all different types, not just code, into that conversation, they realize how they can be part of that design process. And to be honest, as a facilitator kind of designer, it is one of the things that I enjoy the most is when participation can be enjoyed by many different kinds of people.
0: And we hope that many different types of audiences will be able to enjoy this podcast. These are the six panelists. We will not be on every podcast. Again, it'll probably be more like two or three with a given guest. We'll be releasing episodes at an unknown amount of time and duration, but hopefully at least once a month or so. This is coming out of the Sustain group and community, and they have really graciously funded this through their funding, which also came from Ford and Sloan originally, for which we thank them immensely. And if you're interested, please subscribe and talk about SOS design, Sustain open source design. And If you have any guests, please send them our way. We're always looking for more. But also if you have any topics or questions, we're happy to have this sort of roundtable discussion again. I've learned a lot of new things about people here. I know other panelists have as well. So if you have any questions, hit us up. We are on the Sustain Discourse at discourse.sustainoss.org or you can hit up any of our Twitter handles, which are probably easily findable because we live on the Internet. Cool. So for now, thank you all. This is Sustained Open Source Design with Justin Flory, Memo Esparza, Perry Ojemi, Georgia Bullen, Errol Fox, and me. So see you all later.